Well, we have an opportunity now to read from God's Word. If you have a device, you can turn on to Ephesians chapter 2, but hopefully you'll be able to see the words projected behind us. It's the second half of Ephesians chapter 2, and Mandy's going to read for us. Good morning, everybody. It's lovely to be here. We've missed you all. Ephesians chapter 2, beginning at verse 11. Therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, You who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. By abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Well, allow me to pray as we turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your faithfulness to us. And Father, the, the way you were most faithful to us is in sending the Lord Jesus Christ. And so as we reflect on this wonderful letter that Paul wrote to the Ephesian Christians many years ago, would you give us insight? Would you teach us? Would you help us respond again? to this great news of what you have done for us. We ask for your help. Father, I pray that the words I speak would be from you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's definitely ironic, isn't it, that as we sit here today with large two-meter physical distances between us and maybe even 20 or 200 miles apart from each other, the passage from the Bible we're looking at describes how in Christ, God has brought us near to him and near to each other. Isn't that ironic? Uh, On a Sunday when the masks and the screens have gone between us, we're reading about an opposite and an even greater reality in the Bible about dividing walls coming down and a new structure being built up. We're hearing about people not being separated from each other, but amazingly joined together. 
Well, here is what we're going to see today in Ephesians 2, the last part of this chapter. We're going to see a description that with the Lord Jesus Christ, the walls came down and the church went up. And I hope the contrast between this passage and our present circumstances will help us remember it so that we can take comfort from these amazing biblical truths. Now, if you're a Christian, did you know that the most definitive change that took place in your life happened not mid-March 2020 with all the COVID lockdowns, but the very moment Jesus Christ came to define and shape your life? With Christ, I hope you'll see again today, the walls came down and the church went up. Now, Paul illuminates this amazing uh, truth, this amazing before and after Christ contrast in three ways. Now, firstly, he issues what is somewhat an unusual command here at, at verse 11. And, and for the very first time in this letter to the Ephesians, Paul's instructing his readers to do something. Here's the first command in Ephesians, if you've been listening. We, we studied Ephesians January to March and if you remember, there hasn't been one command before now. Here's the first one and the only command in the first three chapters. Verse 11. Therefore, remember. There's the command. Remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember, there he repeats it, Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. You see, Paul's telling the Christians. He's telling them to do something. He was telling them all who would hear this letter, telling us who will listen. Remember your past distance from Christ. Remember your distance from Christ. You are apart from him. And he tells them, remember that you who aren't Jews, and I presume that that's most of us, if not all of us here today, those who aren't Jews, but Gentiles, non-Jews, you were once very distant. You were estranged from Jesus Christ. And not only were you looked down upon by those Jews, the circumcision, who you saw had labeled you as the uncircumcision. In ver verse 12, Paul tells them to remember five aspects of that vast gulf between them and Christ. What are those five things? Well, they're separated from Christ, verse 12. Alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. It's another way of saying you had no passport recognition as part of God's people. You were non-citizens before God. So that's two, separated, alienated from this people of God. You were strangers or perhaps foreigners to the covenants of promise. In other words, the agreements between God and his people, well, they didn't apply to you. You weren't included. So in effect, four and five, you had no hope and you were without God in the world. In other words, Paul says at one time, Ephesian Christians, you were completely estranged from God, separated from him, apart from him. Now, think to yourself for a moment. I was asking myself this question. Why would Paul want Christians to remember this? Why would he tell them, remember this? Why would he make his only command in these three opening chapters of this letter to be remembering this alienation? Well, perhaps it's this. Perhaps it's only because by continual awareness of what they once were, 
Only by that awareness could they properly understand and appreciate their newfound closeness with God in Christ. Memories of bad stuff, as well as the good memories, can serve a very important role in helping us appreciate and cherish the good. Isn't that true? Think of bad memories. Sometimes if you reflected on something that happened in your life, it makes you appreciate how that is no longer the case. I, I was 10 when the Berlin Wall came down, and, and I remember it, and, and I can imagine if I'd lived in Berlin, Berlin in that year, it would be etched into my memory, having lived for a decade under a regime that restricted me, made me a stranger in another land, completely made me set apart from fellow countrymen. I think I would have felt that memory, and it would make me more appreciate the new freedoms that came. Or, or imagine someone who's found asylum here in Ireland from a country that's been war-torn, where they faced uncertain future. Well, every time they find an old picture from their homeland or one of their old pictures or something from their past, they'd immediately get a chance to reflect on their safe, new, free home in Ireland and its amazing glory. And maybe for us too then, Paul calls us to remember. He wants us to remember to picture your life before Christ's rescue. And if you can't remember it, Paul's description helps us to see the status we had, this, the, the context we were in, the condition we were in. It was distant from God. It was estrangement from God, having no part of his gracious problems, living, and that's an awful phrase, isn't it? Without hope, without God in the world. It, it's, it's as if a continual awareness of the bleak walls that once had been stepped up between us and God and between us and the other people in our lives, somehow that should enrich our gratitude to God for his rescue and help reinforce our obedience to him as we live our lives. Do you ever think that's why when you hear a testimony in church or at a baptism, it's often so, so powerful because we hear people describing a journey from exile a life that was lost in a distant land to finding that safe haven with Christ. And it resonates with every one of us because most of us know what that feels like. And you know, some of you listening today don't yet have that journey. Well, you need to hear the Bible's description of where you are at the moment. Some of you are still resident in a place far from God. You're still in that land. The chapters of your life are still right there in verse 12 of chapter 2 separated, alienated, strangers, foreigners, without hope, without God. And so my simple call to you today, I want you to see a better land and I want you to come here. Aren't you tired and worn out by a place and a life that promised everything and delivered nothing but heartache? Ask those who know Christ what it's like to have that new passport, that new access. You know, even if your life before you knew Christ even if you'd rather forget it. Remember that, that that exile, how far it put you from God, and that contrast will help you do what Paul wants the Ephesians to do in the rest of these verses. You see, after commanding them to remember their past, their distance from Christ, he wants them, secondly, to take in the new peace that they now experience. That's our second point. Take it in. Take in your new peace, Christ. Have a look from verse 13. But now, what a wonderful phrase to open another 
uh, part of this letter, another era, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of two, so making peace. But now, Paul marks this marvelous contrast. Take it in as we read it. You were once in a far-off exile before you knew Christ, if you're a Christian. In that place, he's just described in verse 12, until, and watch the imagery here, until you were brought near by the blood of Christ. You see, it's not that you found your way out of the exile by yourself. You found a ticket or found a passport. You were liberated. This is something God has done for his people. You were picked up. You were rescued from your, your desperate estrangement. You are brought near by Christ. And look at the sacrificial image. By his blood. Because of Christ's sacrifice on the cross. There's your passport, Paul says. And in verse 14, Paul raises the idea of peace. Now, being from Northern Ireland, we were talking about peace a lot as I grew up. I was on peace marches. I was on peace rallies. We sang peace songs. We all wanted peace. And in 1998, they told us it was finally here. Peace. But Paul's talking about something else. He's not just talking about the absence of conflict, the cessation of violence. He's referring to something bigger here, peace, something more holistic. Shalom captured it in the Old Testament. Salvation, well-being, prosperity, life with God, peace. And you know, Paul wants Christians to understand, and he wants them to take it in that he himself, Jesus Christ, is our peace. It's quite a statement to describe someone as something else. He is our peace. Jesus Christ is our peace. And that picks up a prophecy from the prophet Micah, and he will be our peace. And yes, that's what Christ bought. There's a remarkable way that Jesus Christ defines that peace. And I want you to watch something. I want you to watch the walls come down the walls that Christ demolished. Verse 14, he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. There's a wall down. By abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of two, so making peace, there it is again, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who are far off, you Gentiles, and peace to those who are nearer, like the Jews. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. D did you notice the two walls that have been raised to the ground? Firstly, verse 14, there's that dividing wall of hostility, the wall between the Jews and the Gentiles. The ancient world, as we saw in the kids' club, it was defined by that division. And in Christ, that wall is finally broken down. For Christians, that old division no longer applies. Now, there was that little phrase in there, the abolishing the law of commandments, verse 15. Now, that's not that God's word is somehow abolished, but that the law as a set of regulations that excluded Gentiles, that's what's abolished. So the law as a, an exclusion zone, 
that kept Gentiles on one side and Jews on the other. That's what's abolished. And so verse 15, there's one new man in the place of two. That was the first wall. Look, what's the second one? Well, look from verse 16. And Christ might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross. Um, the second wall is really the start of chapter two, the wall between us and God, the one that by grace he saved us from. It is by grace you have been saved. The wall between us and God vertically. You see, both Jews and Gentiles, they need reconciliation with God. Not just the Gentiles were estranged from God. And although the Jews had their laws and their covenants, they still, they were separated from God by their sin until Christ. Both those who were far and those who were near, well, they both now have access to God in Christ. Verse 18 reads, access. Isn't that a wonderful word? Access in one spirit to the Father. So in Christ, the walls came down. Take it in for a moment. Consider what it means. In Christ, the walls came down. And you know, among Christians, God's new people that Christ brought near to him, none of us can claim special privileges. I might be standing a couple of feet above you, but I'm no more special or privileged than any one of us in this room or listening in. But you know, the walls between us, specifically here, that ancient dividing wall of hostility between Jew and Gentile has been broken down and all the other walls too. This speaks an amazing truth to a world that's struggling with division and past injustices. Here's the place where walls are definitively broken down. Here at the cross of Christ, here is the potential for a new people. Here's the hope for people who can move beyond previous hostilities. But think too a bit deeper even than this, how it applies to you and me. Often the divisions between us are a little bit more personal than racial or the big major divisions. There are walls of conflict and bitterness have gone up between Christians, perhaps between you and someone in your family or a friend or a colleague. Walls of past hurt, disagreement, fractured relationships, broken fellowship. Or take it in. In Christ, the wall between us and God was broken down. It was removed. Access to all of us who are Christians in one spirit to the Father. And the dividing wall of hostility between these age-old sparring partners, Jews and Gentiles, it's now gone. And maybe it's time for reconciliation with each other too. And remember your past distance from God. Take it in, how far you were for it. Think about your new peace that Christ has brought. Allow it to open up those channels of forgiveness and reconciliation as the old walls come down. He himself is your peace. And now finally here, thirdly, Paul wants us to relish your new belonging. Relish the church. Look at from verse 19, and we're nearly finished. Paul writes, so then, here's the summary, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens. Remember verse 12? But you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostle and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together 
grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Hard to take a breath there. It's so encompassing, that section. Remember your distance from God before Christ who brought down now those walls of hostility between God and man vertically and between Jew and Gentile? Well, now there's something being built on these foundations. All Christians are part of something. Where there was once distance, now there's nearness. Isn't that incredible? Think about that member of your family who lives so far away. Imagine that distance being eradicated. And that was the same with us. Where there was once distance with a holy, mighty, heavenly Father, there's now nearness. Where once there was estrangement, there's now belonging. There's a place to belong. And look what it is. It's God's household, singular. We asked you when you were coming in to sit in households. Households. But here in Ephesians 2, it's household singular. A household where everybody sits together. And now we're, we are built and being built together on this foundation. The foundation of what? Verse 20. Of the New Testament and the Old Testament. The apostles and the prophets. With Christ as the apex. The center. And in this language here in Ephesians. Christ the cornerstone. This amazing new building is the church. Look around. You thought we were just in a, in a wonderful rented auditorium. But this is the church. These people built on the cornerstone of Christ. And it's growing. Founded on Christ, the whole structure. Did you notice how it's joined together in him, growing into a holy temple in the Lord? You know, we must relish this. And particularly because as Christians, we're not spectators ever watching the master craftsman at work. Verse 22, it's in him, in Christ, your reconciler, your peace, your wall breaker, your cornerstone. You too are being built into this dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Every single one of us. So no matter our physical distance today or in the weeks to come, here's a picture of the church of which we in Black Rock as a local church are part of. What of you to relish and cherish? Here's the church. So welcome back and come on in. Come and get involved. Come and join with us, with each other. Let's relish the belonging. You can't see the smiles under the masks, but there were smiles this morning. Perhaps even a few tears as people have come back in and relished what it is to be part of this household once again. You know, today marks a new era of meeting together without the distance from God or each other. But we have work to do to hold this gospel out to all those around us who have yet to come in from those far off places. As we are built together into this amazing house, it will stretch from now to eternity. That's the church.